The Biden administration is forgiving up to $10,000 in student loan debt for some borrowers. Today's announcement also includes extending the pause on student loan repayment. The pause was set to end next week, but will now be extended through the end of the year. We'll hear from experts on the impact that this announcement could have. And we want to hear from you about your experience with student debt. And what does today's announcement mean for you? Does every little bit help or is this just a drop in the bucket? Give us a call now at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, that number is 866-915-WBEZ. And here with the latest information is Danielle Douglas-Gabriel, reporter for The Washington Post. Welcome to Reset, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Can you start by reminding us of the context around this announcement and, and where things currently stand with regard to uh, student loan repayments? Sure. For, so for about the last year or so, um, there has been a push among activists, among liberal lawmakers, to ensure that President Biden adheres to a campaign promise to cancel some portion of student debt. Biden had always said he felt comfortable with 10000 and he kind of wavered on whether or not he had the authority to do so. But today he did take the step and announce an executive order that would not only cancel 10000 in federal student loans for um, everyone who's making under $125,000, but also uh, add an additional 10000 in forgiveness for a total of 20000 for people who had Pell Grants. Now, these are grants that are granted to low-income students, typically folks who, whose families are earning less than $60,000. About 60% of borrowers had Pell Grants when they went to college. And one of the things that I thought was fascinating about this announcement is that of the 45 million people who have student debt, about 43 million will be impacted by this decision, and 20 million of them will have their loans completely forgiven. How did they come to this $10,000 number? Exactly. Biden had always said that he was comfortable around that number and for a couple of reasons. So a lot of Federal Reserve data shows that people with smaller amounts of debt, often folks who had to drop out of college after the first year or so, or um, who simply were unable to complete their degree, tend to have um, the hardest time repaying their loans. They tend to go delinquent and default on the debt at much higher rates. So I get the sense that that 10000 was based on that kind of calculation that if you want to address the people who most need the help or who are most vulnerable, focus in on that smaller balance. Okay, so so what do we know about who would receive this loan forgiveness exactly? I mean, we're talking about 95% of folks who have federal okay. student loans. That's undergraduate loans, that's graduate loans, that's parent plus loans. Um, so it's quite a universe. And about, I think, 90 percent of the folks who would benefit earn less than 75000 And I think that was a really important part. And you had seen the president really struggle with the idea of granting loan forgiveness to high earners uh, and people who went to elite schools. Focusing in on Pell Grant students in particular and giving them the greatest benefit, I feel like, is a way for him to address that and kind of mitigate that concern. Uh, so it, it's fascinating to, to see that additional help to that p- population in particular. Yeah. Well, what impact are the uh, upcoming midterms having on the announcement? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a politics reporter, but I, I certainly do think that given uh, the president's low rating approval rating with younger borrowers, some of this may have been a drive to try to court that group. Hmm. I don't know. I it's, think you might yeah, be right. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, but it's, 
it's difficult to see whether or not it'll be successful. I think, you know, I, I'm guessing many of your caller, your listeners will know that there was a huge push for a lot more debt cancellation. Uh, majority leaders uh, Chuck Schumer, as well as Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, Ayanna Presley, many others had called for $50,000 mm-hmm. in debt relief. NAACP had called for the same, the Congressional Black Caucus. And so not getting that amount may be disenchanting to some borrowers. Still, 10000 is nothing to sneeze at. So I do imagine that for many people who have struggled with their finances, who could use this additional help, this will be a boon for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, to that end, student debt forgiveness certainly would help folks who are struggling right now with, with debt, Danielle. But there are um, thoughts. I mean, I wonder if there are plans from the administration or from Congress to address the, the overall issue here, right? College affordability. It's expensive. It is. And it's getting more and more expensive. It is. And I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot to discuss the college affordability aspect of what, where tuition prices are heading. I do think that some market dynamics are going to start to address that and, and not, unfortunately, is not enough to really make a dent in kind of the borrowing patterns. But there are things that the Department of Education can do and the administration is trying to do in order to at least make the uh, repayment process and uh, a little simpler for schools and then also for students and then also hold schools accountable to how they are treating students and how they are making them perform. So a lot of uh, the delinquent and defaulted debt has come from for-profit institutions historically. And there are rules in in the works to try to address that by holding those schools accountable for um, abysmal default rates among their students and such. So I think that's kind of how they're trying to get at that. No, that's not enough in order to really address the the high cost of, of education right now. But also you have to remember higher education is kind of at a turning point. While the more selective schools are doing really well in terms of their enrollment, a lot of the the regional publics, a lot of the small private liberal arts schools are having a hard time getting students into their seats. And that's not going to change because the demographics just aren't there to really maintain enrollment the way we've seen it for the last decade. So I think with that in mind, a lot of schools are going to have to shift their economic proposition to families in order to attract them. We've seen schools do things like tuition resets where they lower the uh, sticker price to make it more appealing. That doesn't always necessarily mean that it's that much more affordable because a lot of people who understand higher education know that you could be at a school where two two of the same kids are paying two entirely different things. Oh, yeah. There are d- tuition discount rates and all sorts of things that go into what families actually pay. But I think school's going to have to look at and take a harder look at what is the value proposition they are offering families. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are discussing an, ex- an announcement from the Biden administration today on uh, student debt forgiveness. We've been speaking with Danielle Douglas-Gabriel, who's a reporter for The Washington Post. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you. Let's add some other voices to this conversation. Joining now is Josh, Josh Mitchell, reporter for The Wall Street Journal and also author of the book Debt Trap, How Student Loans Became a National Catastrophe. Hey, Josh, welcome back. Yes, hi, thanks. Also with us is Cody Hunanian, Executive Director of Student Debt Crisis Center. Hi, Cody. Hi, thanks for having me. And we want to hear from you. What effect is student loan debt having on your life and what impact would loan forgiveness have for you? Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. That's 
WBEZ. I'm going to start with you, Cody. Your initial reaction to seeing that the administration is canceling some student debt? Well, today's announcement is certainly an historic moment for this movement to cancel student loan debt. So we need to take a moment and really celebrate this big win that we have achieved. At the same time, you know, we're already hearing from a lot of borrowers that say $10,000 is not enough. These are people that have had huge debts for many years. And there's also people reaching out to us that are saying, hey, this income limit at $125,000 a year really prevents me from getting this type of relief, even though I'm currently struggling. So there's a lot of reasons for us to continue to ask for more. But um, for some, as someone who's been working on this issue for a decade, I'm going to take a beat to just say, uh, you know, well done. And this is a great first step. Josh, you've been covering the, the history of the student debt crisis. Can you tell us a little bit about how student loans just became so astronomical? Yeah, well, a lot of this goes back to the housing crisis in 2008-2009 when unemployment soared. And unlike what we're currently going through, unemployment stayed high for for years. And so people went to college and graduate school because they couldn't find jobs. And they had to take on a lot of debt just to go to school. And then then many of them... Uh, left school and they went into a in, into the jobs force where unemployment was still high and they couldn't find a job and so they fell behind on on their loans and so that's really where we saw the biggest run up in debt. All right, let's jump to the phones and hear what's uh, on the minds of our listeners. First up is Bess in West Rogers Park. Hi, Bess. Welcome to Reset. Uh, hi. Thanks so much for having me on your program. Uh, my question or comment is as follows. Uh, I'm an older adult. I'm in my late 50s. I went back to college at the age of 40, and I also joined the student loan race with my uh, degree over at Columbia College Chicago in, in media marketing. I've been paying into that loan for quite some time. I also chose to do a consolidation loan uh, through, you know, it's the government one, not a private bank. So my question is, how does that affect uh borrowers who may be eligible for that, and also uh, how this might affect those who've already paid into the Pell Grant. Does that also get you know, tossed back in as a thank you? Just curious on those responses. Good questions, Bess. Can you take any of those, Cody? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, and before I do that, I just want to thank Bess for being one of those older borrowers speaking out. You know, I, I know for many, this sounds like a youth and student issue. It certainly impacts all of us. So on the type of loan and consolidation issue, it's really important to note that this relief is going to benefit those with federal student loans only. And it seems like right now this applies to all federal loans, and that includes even Parent PLUS loans and consolidated loans. But there's millions of Americans that have private student loans from banks that won't receive any relief under this action. And that's, I think, a really important detail to remember. And then as far as the Pell Grant, you know, we have this important detail today that borrowers will receive ten up to $10,000 in relief if they did not receive a Pell Grant to go to college, and they'll receive up to 20000 if they did receive a Pell Grant. And so what that means is that if you owed, let's say, $15,000 and you did receive a Pell Grant, you would have the entirety of your $15,000 erased, and that's it. You wouldn't get, like, a $5,000 additional to make it a total of 20. Hmm. So that up two piece is important. Very, very important. Uh, up next is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to Reset. Hi. 
What's your comment or question? Um, basically, I, I went to school um, and I took a debt. I went in debt for like uh, twenty thousand dollars for like two years. I graduated and I wasn't able to get a job for like three years. And then uh, when I finally did get a job, I only made like fifteen thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars a year, and I really wasn't able to like pay back almost anything. And then um, eventually they started garnishing my wages. So now this it's like pretty much like gets rid of almost everything that um, I, I was in debt for. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Ryan, but I, I feel like your story, a lot of people can, can relate. Uh, Josh, you know, from your research on just how we got here, what steps can governments or, or universities take to make college more affordable? You know, Ryan says it took him four years to get a job. And so, of course, in the meantime, his debt just kept getting worse. Well, this is one. This is one of the main points I argue in my book, the, the the debt trap, which is that the way the student loan system works, students get a blank check, they pay tuition, and the school gets to keep the money, even if the student doesn't pay back the money. The school gets to keep all of that cash, and so what the administration is doing here is helping a lot of people with student loans who really need the help. However. It isn't really doing anything to ensure that schools just don't continue to charge high prices. And so, you know, one of the things that I argue in my book is that if you want to change that system, schools are going to have to have more skin in, in, in the game here. They're going to have to suffer more consequences if students fail to repay their loans and get the job that, that they were told that they would get. Yeah. You know, Cody, there's pushback on student debt relief. Uh, some on the grounds of fairness, but also from uh, concerns about increased inflation. What's your response to those concerns? Yeah, well, the research is very clear that um, the inflation issue is really bad math. You know, according to the Roosevelt Institute, we can cancel student loan debt and we can turn on payments for many borrowers, as this plan does, and it has almost no impact on inflation. And I should also note, you know, someone who talks to borrowers every single day, mm -hmm. they're not worried about the macroeconomic discussion. They're, talk, they're worried about what the money in their pocket, how to put roof over the head, how to support their families. And this puts hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars back into their pocket. That's what that matters to everyday people. Oh, yeah. Well, let's hear from Oscar, who's on the line from Humboldt Park. Hi, Oscar. Welcome to Reset. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Doing good. What's your story? Back in 2002, I applied and was uh, entered into ITT Technical Institute and started out with a federal Pell Grant for 42000 and it's just like currently now to bloom to like 72000 and and it's just hard to pay down because it's just like they promised, again, promised jobs that it was never there. I had to like hustle and, and, and figure out exactly what I needed to do to get a job. Yeah. So you started out with loans of... $42,000 and it went up to 72000 72000 It just keeps selling it over to different lenders and or mm -hmm. loan borrowers or I'm not sure who they Goodness. keep selling it to. Yep. Oh, I'm so sorry about that, Oscar. Appreciate you sharing. Next up is Peter in Itasca. Hi, Peter. Welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha. How are you? I'm doing well. What's your student loan story? So this is going to benefit my household. Uh, my wife has a master's degree in nursing, and it was very pricey. Um, it doesn't benefit me individually. I did all of my college 
with the um, with VA money, with the Montgomery GI Bill money. Um, so, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of people in my situation or who paid out of pocket for college or had parents could afford it mm-hmm. that can make the argument that, like, why am I penalized for doing it outside of the student loan system? Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of common good here, too. They, it's, a, it's a rising tide and all folks are, are going to go up yeah. if the whole student loan situation goes down. But now I've got three kids that are going to go to college at some point, I imagine. And what are we going to do for them? Yeah. Thank you, Peter, for sharing that. Uh, Cody, again, uh, very s- similar uh, stories here. Well, Peter, in, in his case, says this $10,000 will actually help my household. And, you know, Oscar, in the meantime, is, is over there drowning in, in debt. Uh, we know many students will think that this is, you know, just a small dent, this $10,000, Cody. But, but will more debt relief be necessary, you think? Well, I think you're right. You know, we've already heard from some borrowers that are going to see their entire debt erased and they're enthusiastic. And we're yeah. hearing from others that are saying this is just a drop in the bucket. We're saying this is a great first step. And we have a lot more work to do to make sure that we have this type of relief for millions of other Americans. And so we're looking at this moment as a beginning to a new chapter in the effort to end the student debt crisis forever. Josh, how does the U.S. compare to other countries? When it comes to student well, debt. the U.S. has the U.S. has far more student debt than any other con- country, yeah. um, and student debt and student debt has exploded over the past 15 years. It's now the second highest form of household debt in the U.S. Ex- outside of home loans. Um, I mean, we're I in the trillions, right? In the trillions of, of, uh, yeah, of dollars. Yeah, one, one, one 1.6. And that's 1. the that's trend. the reason, Josh. My my daughters are both talking about. Uh, they're both in high school now, but they're they're talking about going back to Canada, which is where they're from. Uh, to go to college because it's just yeah. a lot more affordable. I, I think I think there has been a sea change in terms of people really paying attention to how much they're taking on debt and how much they're paying for school. Um, but you know, one thing I wanted to address is you know this idea that ten thousand dollars isn't much. You know, most people who you know most people who fall behind on their loans um, are people who drop out of college and they owe less than ten thousand dollars. And I know that that's counterintuitive. I know that when people think about student debt, they think about people who owe 50000 or or more, and there is a significant cohort like that. But most of the people who are in default on their loans don't really owe that much. And again, that's, that's because they dropped out. And so I think when you erase $10,000 across the board, you're really taking out all of these bad loans that people are failing to, to pay, pay off. I think the bigger question is, or at least an equally big question is, you know, we are going to be back up to $1.6 trillion in debt in the next four or five years um, it, with, without changes. Yikes. And so, you know, there's this question of if, if you forgive debt for the current cohort, what about people who are going to take it out this, this fall? Good question there, Josh. Let's squeeze one more caller in. Here's Alex in River North. Hi, Alex. What's your comment? Hi, How are you? Doing good. What's your comment today? Um, so I work in sales, so um, my income can kind of very year to year. So I, I made a little bit more than $125,000 last year. Um, but this year, I'm going to make significantly less than that. So I wonder if, if that will be able to be applied next year um, based on my income. Cody, what do you think? 
Well, I know we're still waiting for a lot of the kind of inflammation details here. So I don't know the details on that piece. Obviously, though, this is a great example of how the income limit is create, kind of creates unnecessary roadblocks because it's not a good indication of a borrower's need for student debt cancellation. Yes, a higher income can mean that you're more financially well off, but when you have large amounts of student loan debt and huge payments, it can also mean that you have high income but low wealth and that your financial wellness is still quite shaky and, and you're not in the right place. So this is exactly why we were fighting for no means testing, automatic debt cancellation for everyone who has federal student loans. And these types of situations will certainly create, you know, kind of confusing situations for borrowers as we see this rolled out. Yeah, and we, we've got uh, no time left for this segment, but I, I do want to show the, the variety in responses that we're getting. Uh, if, if I had time, I'd go to Tristan in Downers Grove, who says, I'm not planning on paying my student loans back. So, you know. There you have it. Uh, we've been talking with Cody Hunanian, who's executive director of the Student Debt Crisis Center, and Josh Mitchell, who's a reporter with The Wall Street Journal and author of the book Debt Trap, How Student Loans Became a National Catastrophe. Thank you both. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.